Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, January 26th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to beantownathletics.com right now or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Avenue, Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you. So... We are still trying to pick up the pieces here in New England, back here in Boston, as to what happened on Sunday in Denver with the New England Patriots. The season is over. The Super Bowl 50 matchup is set. The Denver Broncos playing the Carolina Panthers. I do not need to remind you of that matchup. Uh, But, of course, as we wake up another day here and try to figure out what went wrong or who is most to blame for the Patriots' season being over and having it end in Denver in that AFC Championship game on Sunday, there is some news from Patriots camp, and that is the New England Patriots last night, they have fired their offensive line coach and the first reports that I read on Twitter, the the way they phrased it was they're parting ways. And I guess I was a little unsure at first to call it a firing because I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't positive that Guglielmo was still under contract or if his contract was up. I was unsure of that. But the more you look into it, of course, you can use the word fired. Again, the Patriots have fired their offensive line coach and If you listen to this show yesterday, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, if you heard my reaction, and I know I tweeted out, like I do all the time, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard, I tweeted out my link to yesterday's podcast, and I phrased it in a way in which I said, here's my reaction to the Patriots losing to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game, and you got some people in Boston, in New England, who yesterday... A day after, a day removed from the season being over. I can understand if you don't want to hear that. I can understand if you want to get away from it. There's some people that will take the opposite route. Like myself, either needing to vent about it or needing to listen to how other people react to the Patriots losing that game against the Broncos. But I can, with that said, even though I'm in that camp of needing to vent and wanting to hear people react to it, Uh, I can understand the other side of it, which is that people just want to sort of distance themselves. They know what happened in Denver. They don't want to have to listen to it. They want to sort of forget it for a couple days. Maybe at some point, middle of the week, you jump into it. If you are looking to jump into it, I'm I'm not going to sit here now for the second straight show and continue to go back into every little detail of that game. But at any point, if you would like to hear my thoughts or what I believe to be logical reaction to the game as to why the Patriots lost and why the Broncos won and are going, why the Broncos are going to Super Bowl 50 and the Patriots are not, and we're talking about stories like the Patriots fire in their offensive line coach, if you'd like to hear my thoughts on that and reaction, well, I had a very passionate reaction to it on yesterday's podcast, on Monday's show. So make sure you go back and listen to that. But, I mean, I'm not going to continue to hop on the things that I hopped on yesterday. But since this is a story, the Patriots fire their offensive line coach, you know, I do need to get give my reaction to that. And, and when I give my reaction, I'll tell you, if you listen to yesterday's show, you know how I feel about this. And if you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted it last night. You know how I feel about this news. I'm not surprised. Can, consider me not the least bit surprised that the Patriots fired their offensive line coach after a game in which their quarterback was hit. What, are we talking 25 times? I mean, First of all, we're talking more than 10 times. I think that's all you need to really hear. Once you get into hearing that your quarterback was hit more than 10 times in this game, this is a disaster scenario for your QB, for your offensive line. So I've read 26 times he was hit. I've read 25. I read 24. Mid-20s. Put it this way. mid It's too much. It, it, your quarterback's getting hit too much if that's the case. And 
if your quarterback's getting hit too much, it's because of the offensive line. And we can sit here all we want and talk about the talent that the Patriots don't have in their offensive line. Here's what I know to be true about talent on an offensive line. The Patriots, before last season, got rid of one of their most talented offensive linemen in Logan Mankins. Right? They did. They, they traded him. And before last season, beginning of last season, whenever it was, they, they, went, they went into last season, throughout last season, without one of their best offensive linemen, Logan Mankins. They traded him. And uh, what did they end up doing? They ended up winning a Super Bowl. I understand they were banged up. They were injured. You still didn't have all your guys. You know, you were mixing and matching. You're trying to do different things. You're trying to put, you know, a backup tight end to try and help block on the offensive line. You have problems there with the personnel. There's no question. There's a talent issue on that offensive line for the Patriots. There's no question. That was evident during the regular season. It was evident on Sunday in Denver. But as much as you get into talent and personnel, at some point, I told you yesterday, I'm watching this AFC championship game. I'm watching Vaughn Miller get to the quarterback. I'm watching Tom Brady get hit over 20 times. And I'm saying to myself, this is more than personnel. This is more than a talent issue. This to me, what I'm watching right now, I said this during the game. I said, what I'm watching right now, it almost feels like this offensive line just wasn't even prepared for this. Like, they weren't prepared for Von Miller. I've given credit to Von Miller. I did that yesterday. I gave him credit. He's a tough guy to stop. And he did a nice job on that interception. Still was a bad throw. Still was a bad decision by Brady. Uh, But but Von Miller disguised the blitz. You know, looked like uh, he was going to blitz, created confusion. Instead, dropped back into coverage. And Tom Brady didn't see him. Tom Brady should have saw him. He was throwing a grunk. Bad throw, great defensive play, combination of the two, and also you got to add to that combination the fact that Tom Brady just did not feel comfortable in the pocket at all because his offensive line wasn't doing the job. They weren't getting the job done. But with that said, again, go back and watch that. It was as if the Patriots' offensive linemen, as as bad as they are, talent-wise, it was almost as if they didn't even know who Von Miller was. Like, they didn't prepare for him, or they had just found out about Von Miller on Sunday at 1 o'clock Mountain Time in Denver. Like, they said, who's this guy buzzing around? There was a preparation issue there. I mean, come on. I tweeted out last night, look, Dave Guglielmo, do I think he should be the fall guy? No, I'm not saying he should be the fall guy. I don't know that I want to sit here today and say anybody should be the fall guy like somebody's got to go. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that anybody had to go. If there was anyone really I would say had to go, if you made me pick someone, I would probably say Marcus Cannon. Like, I've seen enough out of him. Seen enough from him. But still, there were things that you got to do game plan-wise, schematically, uh, with the personnel that you have, to me, there was a lack of preparation uh, for whatever reason. And whoever's to blame for that, the coach, the players, both. I, I never sat here and told you yesterday, or I still don't, that there should be a fall guy. I, I didn't say that. But, you know, if you're going to get rid of the offensive line coach, right, if you're going to do that, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm surprised. I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm not surprised by it. I I think it's a move that, you know, if there was some type of preparation issue, I mean it, it's a lot easier to get rid of the coach than it is some of the players, and perhaps you get rid of some of the players. But I, I think I mean I think it's I think the fact that the Patriots are making this move speaks volumes. But I tweeted last night I said I I don't think this should be a fall guy, but when I'm watching that game Sunday. It was clear to me that the issues they had on this offensive line against Denver, against a very talented Broncos pass rush, it was clear to me that the issues, they extended past a talent issue. It was more than a talent issue to me. 
I, I, I sat there, watched that game with my father. I said it. I said, this, it's almost like they didn't even prepare for Von Miller. It's like they didn't know what they were getting themselves into in this game. And that leads me to preparation. They, like, they weren't prepared for this, for this battle up front. Um, I, I, I've been very clear in the past about offensive line in football, in the NFL. And, and if you're an offensive lineman, a former offensive lineman at any level, you might take, you know, you, you, you might take this as some type of shot. I hope you don't. I, I don't mean to make it one. But out of all the things on a football field that you do, that you should feel are the most coachable aspects of the game, what would it be? If I asked you that, what would it be? Most coachable aspects of the game of football at any level and more specifically at the NFL level, for pros, guys who, who get to the NFL because of their blocking skills, because that has been all they've done in their entire careers. That's all they know is how to block. Blocking schemes, um, individual one-on-one, right? Protecting the quarterback, uh, helping out the run game. You are a blocker. That's what you are as an offensive lineman. If there's anything on that football field on Sundays that is the most coachable thing on that field, my opinion is coaching up an offensive line. And I'm not trying to tell you I could do it. I'm not trying to tell you that I would be the guy for the job because I obviously wouldn't be. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not. I, I'm not. I have no idea. I've never played offensive line. I don't. I. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything exactly what it entails, but but look at it. Break it down. Break it down. Look at the offense. I mean, is it easy to coach a quarterback how to be great? No. If it, if it were, you'd have a lot of great quarterbacks, and you don't in this league. Is it easy to coach a running back how to be great and find holes? No. It takes more than that. It takes athleticism. Um, and to be honest, if I'm somebody that's a GM in the National Football League, I would never take a running back in the first round. I mean, I would be going out there. You see it everywhere. You see running backs all over the league. The, the, the players that are supposed to be stars, they drop off. Players who nobody wanted, go back to the Patriots. Deion Lewis, nobody wanted him. If he stayed healthy, I mean, he was a star for this team. Can you imagine what this offense would be if he was healthy? Right? At the end? So, uh, how about wide receivers? I mean, can you teach them all how to be great? I don't know. Ask the Patriots who have been trying to teach Brandon LaFell how to be great. And he, he was so bad, he couldn't even see the field in the AFC Championship. I mean, but offensive linemen. Can, can you coach it up? What I know to be true in the NFL from what I've seen is you go back to last season. You can coach it up. And sure, Guglielmo, they did a nice job last year. They did a nice job with that O-line. People were complaining about the Logan Mankins trade early in the year at the beginning of the season. And and I can remember I can remember distinctly being on this podcast, being on the radio, being on TV, telling you, I'm just not concerned about it. You lose Logan Mankins, what? You can't find an offensive lineman that can block? I mean, of course you can. Of course you can. And, you know, you, you hope that you get people that put in, the, put in the work, put in the preparation, and you hope that you have a coaching staff that is going to help take that to the next level. So the Mankins thing never really was an issue to me. I never got worked up about it. I said, you know what? This is the Patriots uh, thinking that, that, you know, they can... The guys that they have, they're going to add Stork, and that's exactly what they did. They added a kid. I mean, this year, beginning of the season, David Andrews, undrafted, right, out of Georgia, rookie free agent. He's, he was the center on opening night, the Thursday night game, national TV against the Steelers. Everybody watching, Patriots raising the banner. Deflategate was still fresh in everybody's memory. I mean... That was, that's not an easy job to send an undrafted rookie center. Undrafted rookie center telling this kid, hey, you didn't get drafted. Uh, we signed you. And you're going to touch the ball tonight just as much as Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, that's, come on now. That, there's a lot of pressure there. And he did a nice job. 
you can you can find guys to jump in the offensive line. You can coach them up, and if they're putting in the work, and if they're being coached up correctly, you can find a way to be successful with the O line. Last year they fixed their issues. Okay, they did it after trading one of their best offensive linemen. So don't sit here and tell me that because there's a talent issue up front. Don't sit here and tell me it's an automatic loss. Like, you, you automatically can't block because you don't have the talent to do it. I, it's, I, I just can't, I can't go into that. I can't go to that extreme. It, was there a lack of talent up front because of injuries? Sure. Were they, and were they banged up? Some guys playing banged up? Of course. But could it have looked, even with those elements, a little bit better than it did on Sunday? Absolutely, in my opinion. And, and that's why... And, and people would tweet me like, oh, no way. You know, preparation issue, it was, it was a talent issue. And I'm tweeting back to, to some of these people going, listen, fucking wake up. I never said it wasn't a talent issue. I got 140 fucking characters here to try to explain why I'm not surprised that the Patriots fired their offensive line coach. Now, if you listen to the show yesterday, I, I told you. You know, I never said they were going to fire this guy. But I told you that I was concerned watching that game that there was a preparation issue. I mean, it was, it was more than just talent. But it was still talent. I never said it wasn't a talent issue. It was a talent issue. The, the Patriots, they, they, did, they don't have the talent up front. But what I'm saying is you can still win without the most talented offensive lineman in the league. The last year showed that. And I know what you're saying. Last year also showed that you had an offensive line coach that was good enough to, to help get the job done. Well, hey, uh, going into this game, it's a, look, it's a lot easier to get rid of the coach than it is players and personnel in any sport. Yeah, it's just an, e- it's an easy thing to do. It, it, it sucks for a lot of coaches. Uh, it, it's, and, and that could bring me to a storyline that I kind of have to react to in the NBA that I, I wasn't able to get to last week. Um, well, really it happened over the weekend, but I wasn't able to get to it yesterday because we did all football mostly yesterday, but you know, it, it's, it's unfair. It's an unfair world for professional coaches. It is. It's an unfair world. Let's face it. it it's, and it's not going to get any more fair as the years go on, as the money that these players make continues to increase, okay? It's not going to get any easier for these coaches, especially someone like an offensive line coach. It's even easier to fire an offensive line coach. Never mind, get rid of a head coach. It's, how much easier is it to just, especially in football, we have all these coaches for every position. It's easy to get rid of that guy. And, like, I'm not in the room. I'm not in the Patriots room, not in the film room, not in the meeting room. I'm, I'm not in there when they prepare. I'm not talking to anybody in the Patriots organization, but I did watch the game Sunday. And when I watched that game Sunday, I, I, I gave you my, my reaction. Yesterday on this podcast, I told you every bit of how I felt while I was watching the game. I wasn't giving you in hindsight. I was giving you my natural, passionate reaction. Everything that I said while watching that game with my father on Sunday, I said it to him, what I said to you yesterday. And one of the things that I stressed as I sat there and watched Tom Brady get hit after hit after hit, I said, this is more than the guys that are up front. It's almost like they didn't even prepare for this fucking game. It's almost like they didn't even know who Von Miller was until Sunday, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. And, and that's inexcusable. I don't care what type of talent or lack of talent that you have up front. I don't care about that. Was it a talent? Was there a talent issue? Yes, because they were banged up. I understand that. I never denied that. So don't come at me and try to say, no, it was talent. It was, more, it was talent, yes. But there was something else missing. There was something else missing. With that offensive line. And I, 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 I just felt, and I told you yesterday, I felt like there was a preparation issue. And maybe Bill Belichick, you know, it, w- w- did, he, did he fire the offensive line coach? And the Patriots fire the offensive line coach because of one game? I, probably not. Probably not. But, you know, there were some games in which, I mean, the offensive line looked terrible this year. And perhaps... When you dig deeper into it, there was a preparation issue to go along with a lack of talent. 
And I think one thing Bill Belichick's probably saying is, well, look, I mean, you could make the argument that last year we had a lack of talent as well when we traded Logan Mankins. We took a big hit in our talent pool up front on the offensive line. And, and, and we still were able to make it work, right? We still were able to keep these guys focused, still were able to get in the film room, prepare, and come up with something up front to protect the quarterback. We were able to do that. Why weren't we able to be a little bit better at that on Sunday against the Broncos? There was just something was missing there. And I don't want to sit here and tell you that they could have plugged in a pro bowl god or tackle and this thing would have been any better. I don't, I don't know that it would have, to be honest. You'd like to think it would be, but I, I, I can't make any guarantees. You'd still be going up against Von Miller, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Von Miller. He's a talented guy. He had a great game. But there were some points during Sunday's loss where I'm saying this is more than a talent issue. Something else going on here. It's almost like they it's almost like they they didn't know who they were going up against. There's there was something going on. I I And and so today because I felt that way, you know, last night when I heard the news the Patriots fired their offensive line coach, I said, oh, "I'm not surprised by this." I'm not surprised by this. No. I heard, I saw some people tweeting, like, especially like beat writers, like, wow, Patriots fire the old line coach. You're going, wow? Why are you saying wow? Did you watch the fucking game? Wow? I mean, what, why are you saying wow? What is so wow about that? There's nothing wow about that, given what happened in Denver on Sunday. I mean, come on. And people now, we're trying, to, we're trying to come up with the off-season game plan. What do the Patriots need to do? What do they need to go after? And, and I'm, I'm hearing all the same recycled bullshit that we do year after year. Here's one thing I don't want to do this year. Here's one thing I don't want to do. The whole fix the offense thing is just, I mean, I, I don't know when we're going to learn. Like, again, people say, oh, you need to go out and they need to, you know, if they had that first-round pick, they're going to try to get that first-round pick because if they had it, they would be taking this stud offensive lineman. And I'm, and I'm listening to the reason and going, I'm, I mean, maybe they would take an offensive lineman in the first round, but I guarantee you that the offensive lineman that they took in the draft that would probably be better than that first-round pick would be somebody they take in the sixth round. <laughs> I mean, and, and people will get into the, people are going to get into the running back thing. Well, they need, well, what do you mean? They had injuries on the run. Deion Lewis, nobody wanted him. They took him. He was garbage to every team in the NFL. And, you know, the Patriots turned him into a potential pro bowler. Right? I mean, a a pro bowl running back. And nobody wanted him around the league. Deion Lewis, nobody. But what, you want him to go out and sign this big running back now to help so Tom Brady doesn't have to throw the football? What? What do you mean? They'll find someone. They'll find someone, believe me. I, so this idea that they need to go out and get that big-name running back is, is absurd to me. And the other thing is they need to go out and they need to get somebody on the outside of the numbers that can take the top off a of defense. Are we going to do that again? I hope not. I mean, look, you fixed the offensive line, and what you know to be true is every single time the Patriots' offensive line is blocking properly for Tom Brady and gives him some time in the pocket, you know what happens? All of a sudden, we start talking about the weapons. Oh, Tom Brady has so many weapons all of a sudden. Well, no, he doesn't have any more weapons than he had two weeks ago. It's just that two weeks ago, he had no time in the pocket. All right? That's it. That's the difference. And for all the talk about Brady getting the ball off quicker, this, that, the other thing, yes, Edelman's presence helps that. Um, Absolutely. When Edelman and Gronk are on the field together, it helps Tom Brady get the ball out quicker. But when you run into a pass rush like Denver's in their building where it is loud and you can't hear a thing at the line of scrimmage, you know, you you need to be prepared enough for that to know who you're going up against, regardless of what type of uh, players you have on that offensive line, pro bowl or not. I I can't get all worked up about the Patriots need to go out and sign veteran Pro Bowl offensive lineman. I just, I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think that's the way it needs to work based on the fact that the Patriots last year won a Super Bowl by going the opposite route. They they traded an, one of their top offensive linemen and still won a Super Bowl and had issues up front early in the season, but were able to fix them. And whatever element of that, 
where they were able to fix the offensive line last year, and this year they weren't able to do it in the biggest spot. Well, uh, you know, I, I do think that probably dips into the preparation aspect and 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 some of the coaching and what was going on there, and the Patriots felt like they needed to make a move. So I'm not surprised by that, and as we look at this Patriots offense, everybody's going to have their theory as to what they want the Patriots to do, what they think, they, what they, think the Patriots need to do this offseason, and I tell you what, um, I, I don't know that this, I don't know that I'm going to be asking for any major fixes. I really don't. I, the only fix that I think you need to see is health. I, 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 I'd like for this team to be a little bit more healthy at the end of the year next year. And, and really that's just all about hope. I, I don't, you can't go into any given NFL week, say, uh, we're going to play this game a little hesitant to do this, to do that, because we need to stay healthy for the end of the season. I mean, you need to play the game at the end of the day, right? And uh, the Patriots have no more games to play this season, and so there's a long offseason, and we could talk about all the offseason moves, but the story right now with the Patriots is that they have fired their offensive line coach, and based on how I told you I felt about Sunday's game, consider me not the least bit surprised that the Patriots made this move. Not the least bit surprised. So, uh, that is where we stand right now as Super Bowl 50 in a week and a half. Uh, the Panthers are five and a half point favorites. Yesterday I told you Carolina was a four and a half point favorite. Today I'm seeing that they are a five and a half point favorite. You want to know about the jerseys in this game? Look, I can't completely ignore the Super Bowl. I can't do it. I can't ignore it. Yesterday, I went into the Brady-Manning debate, and I still told you, you line him up against the wall. Who do you want to win your big game? I'm taking Brady any day of the week because he's got the four rings, and I know he'll get a fifth before it's all said and done. Peyton, will he get a second? Maybe. Yeah, people are ruling. People have already sort of written off the Broncos in this game against Carolina, and I'm going to be hesitant to do that. I, I, do I think Carolina will win, and when I make my pick, will I pick the Panthers? Probably. But, I mean, look, a lot of us picked the Patriots in Denver, and look what happened. And, and you know, I, I talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I know people here in New England don't want to hear it, but Peyton Manning, you got to think that for the next week and a half, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to write him off, much like I, a lot of us wrote him off coming into this AFC Championship, saying he can't throw the football anymore. What did he do? First two, you know, the first two scores, he threw the football in the end zone. Touchdown. Now, the first one was a defensive breakdown. Owen Daniels was wide open. The second one, yes, the Patriots spotted him some great field position with the Brady interception, giving him the ball at the Patriots' 16-yard line inside the 20, inside the red zone. But still, I mean, he made the big throw on that second one down the right sideline, put it right into the hands of Owen Daniels, and, and that was a beautiful throw. As much as I hated seeing it, it was a beautiful throw. And you know that Peyton Manning, who has a lot of pride, looks himself in the mirror and says, fuck them. Everybody and their mother was saying I couldn't throw, and what did I do? Really, maybe the biggest difference of the game was the second touchdown pass, taking advantage of the field position that the Patriots had given you. Right? Taking advantage. That second touchdown pass, taking advantage of it. And uh, he threw it into the end zone, and you know a lot of people are going to go into this Super Bowl and say, hey, hey, Peyton Manning can't throw the football anymore. There's no way he's going to be able to throw in this Carolina defense. And, and that's going to be motivation. And if this is it for Peyton Manning, if this is it, if this is the final game, if this is the final game for Peyton Manning in his career, then, I mean, you're going all out, right? This is, you, what, what do you got, what are you saving it for? And, and the question will be, is this going to be Peyton Manning's final game? I don't know that we're going to get a, an exact answer, but from what we, from what, the audio is picking up from when Peyton Manning and Bill Belichick met at uh, in the middle of the field after the AFC Championship game. There's audio that picks up Peyton Manning telling Bill Belichick that this could be his last rodeo and that it's been a pleasure. Now, we don't know what Bill Belichick said. Belichick would not open up as to what he said, but Peyton Manning... You know, from what we get from the audio, he said this could be his last rodeo. I've heard some people talk about today maybe he could play for the Rams next year in L.A. I'm, I, I don't know. What I do know is that when I watch Peyton Manning play and you see the injuries and you know how old he is and the fact that at one point this year he lost his job. 
Now, he got it back late. He made some throws against the Patriots last week, but it's people are still going to talk about his arm, that this is his last game, that he doesn't have it in him to beat Carolina, and the Panthers are going to be the sexy pick here. There's no question about it. And even myself, I might pick the Panthers when it, when it comes down to make my pick right before the Super Bowl. I'll save my pick. I'll see what goes on here. I need some time to look at this and think about this. But uh, I don't think I'm going to be so quick to, to write off Denver in this game. I, I, don't, I honestly don't think I'm going to be so quick to do it. It's going to be, this is going to be a game, once again, that's going to be won and lost at the line of scrimmage, going to be won and lost up front. And if if Von Miller is going to play the way he played against the Patriots, then, then the Panthers are going to see something that they haven't seen in a little bit. And uh, you can affect the game with a turnover or two here or there. You keep it close. You know, you don't let Carolina beat you in the first half. The Panthers, the last couple games, they've been used to finishing teams off in the first five minutes of the game, the first quarter. These games have been over in the first quarter. If you can keep it close and stay in it and make it about the whole game, make it about a 60-minute effort. We'll see if Carolina can go the distance. Give them a shot. I don't know that I'm going to just write off the Broncos as easy as some people have so far. I, I, I'm i not going to do it. But uh, when it's all said and done, will I probably pick Carolina? Yeah. I I don't know. Let me let me think about it. But but there will be, my point being, there will be a lot of people picking the Panthers. And you know Peyton Manning is going to see all of it, and he's going to see the reasoning for it, and it's going to fire him up. And it, if it is his last game, that will... That, that will combine with his motivation. Hey, we take motivation in this town, and we say it benefits the team, don't we? We do. It benefits the quarterback. It be- we talked about how the Patriots had this revenge factor this season because of Deflategate and all the bullshit that went along with that and the stupid asterisk that people were putting next to Brady's name. It was a joke. And, and we would like to think that the Patriots heard it. In fact, I think I read a quote from, from Matthew Slater yesterday. That said, you know, we heard it all. And we saw that we were getting disrespected. And we used it as motivation. Maybe not in those exact words, but I think he implied that. Saying that we heard it all. Of course they hear it. They're not going to tell you that during the season. For the most part, I'm surprised that anybody even acknowledged it ever. But they do hear it. They do use it. and, And it is a real thing to be motivated by that. If we believe that here in New England, I mean... If there's anybody that will have motivation heading into this game, it'll be Peyton Manning. Because you know, the analysts and the experts, as much as they do love Peyton, there will be people who pick Carolina and and pick them because they say, hey, Peyton just can't throw the ball as good as Cam Newton. You don't think that's going to fire Peyton Manning up and this is his last game and he's going to give it all he has? I don't know that it's going to be as easy a pick as maybe some people early on I'm going to make it out to me, but uh, that's just my, that's, we got plenty of time to talk about the Super Bowl. I won't completely ignore it, but uh, if you are somebody who is wondering what uniforms they're going to wear, well, the Broncos, the AFC team is the home team this year. I don't, they, they switch it every year, I guess. The Broncos will be able to pick. The Broncos have picked their white jerseys. The Broncos will wear the white. I guess the question is, will Carolina wear their blues or their all blacks? I don't know. We'll see. They might have even have picked that. I'm not sure yet. All I know is that Denver's picked the Whites, and they have reasoning for it. So anybody that thinks the history of their previous Super Bowls in certain uniforms isn't a factor, well, they're wrong. Because this is what John Elway said. He said, quote, We've had Super Bowl success in our white uniforms, and we're looking forward to wearing them again in Super Bowl 50. Basically pointing out, that the Broncos are 0-4 in their orange jerseys in the Super Bowl, even as recently as two years ago when they wore the orange and they got whooped by the Seattle Seahawks who were wearing their white jerseys. But that just goes to show you, anybody who says they don't think about it that way, well, you're wrong. They do. John Elway, with a quote, actually said, we've had success in the Super Bowl with our white uniforms, not in our orange, we'll wear the whites. Broncos will wear the whites. I think it's still up for debate if the Panthers are going to wear their all blacks or their all blues. We'll have to wait and see with that. But uh, that's your news of the day in the NFL. Last night, what I do, uh, we had the Celtics. Celtics will win. They beat the Wizards. And when you look at the NBA standings, the Celtics now in fifth place 
in the East. Fifth place in the East. Also watch the Bruins. Bruins won last night with a late goal, a tip-in from Brett Conley. The Bruins get two power play goals in the first period. Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Tuka Rass played phenomenal. What did he make? 34 saves last night. Um, look, the Bruins' power play, I mean, it was one of the best in the league, second best in the league. And they, they got a pretty good penalty kill, too. And you're getting this type of play out of Tuca right now. If the playoffs began today in the NHL, the Bruins would be the three seed in the Atlantic division, meaning they would play the two seed in their division, Detroit, in the first round. Uh, if the playoffs began today, hey, Montreal, uh, they would be on the outside looking in with only 52 points. And last night around the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens lost to the Blue Jackets in Columbus 5-2. The Red Wings went into Brooklyn, beat the Islanders 4-2. As I mentioned, the Bruins go into Philly, beat the Flyers 3-2. The Rangers take care of business at home. Uh, They beat the Sabres 6-3. The Stars at home beat the Flames 2-1. The Coyotes go into Minnesota, beat the Wild in a shootout 2-1. to That's the way the NHL looked last night. The NHL's got nine games tonight as we get closer to All-Star Weekend in Nashville, which will be this weekend in the NHL. So uh, the Bruins, they play their final game before the All-Star break tonight at home against the Ducks. Have my eye on that. And, of course, in the NBA, nine games last night in the NBA. I mentioned to you uh, the Celtics getting a win against the Wizards in D.C. Also, the Cavaliers at home, they beat the Timberwolves 114-107. The Cavaliers, they have to come out and say they're not trading Kevin Love, and this is like a storyline. They're not going to trade Kevin Love. I do, so any quote that I hear from the Cavaliers where they say, not trading Kevin Love, I say, no shit. Why would you trade Kevin Love? If you had him last year in the finals, you know, and Kyrie Irving, you, you might have won it. You might have won it all. Just with LeBron last year, you know, they 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 did a pretty nice job against Golden State. They didn't win it, but I think they won a couple games that maybe people didn't think they would. And uh, let's face it, a lot of the talk was about Delhi, Della Vadova. I mean, come on, there was no Irving, there was no love. The Cavaliers, they've been in the news with potential moves because they fired the coach. They fired Blatt, David Blatt. And... Um, you know, when you, when you fire your coach, there are obviously going to be questions. And especially when, when you, when you look at the standings and you see that you're the number one seed in the East, right? Right now, Cleveland, 31 and 12, you're the number one, you're the number one seed in the East. And you say, why would you fire your coach? And basically people felt insulted at the same time over the weekend. I didn't get to talk about this yesterday because we did strictly football yesterday, but bottom line is this. LeBron James fired David Blatt. Did he not? Did LeBron James not fire David Blatt? He fired David Blatt. That's what happened. Don't try to tell me he didn't. People have insulted because Brian Windhorst from ESPN is trying to tell us that LeBron had no idea. And even LeBron and the Cavaliers, they're telling us they had no idea. Right? They actually thought that Kevin Love was being traded when they first heard about it. What? You mean to tell me that LeBron James had no say in getting rid of the coach as a team that's the number one seed in the East? And forget about the forget about the seeding. Forget about the fact that they have 31 wins. Forget about that. LeBron James has no say. I got news for people. Anyone that wants to believe that. Um, anybody who wants to believe that LeBron James didn't say, I want this guy gone. He wanted him gone. LeBron. Forget about knowing about it. LeBron made it happen. You think he didn't? Think of it this way. Are the Cavaliers title contenders because of David Blatt or because of LeBron James? Quick, easy answer. Because of LeBron James. Okay? Not because of David Blatt. Again, go back to last year's playoffs. People feel bad for David Blatt. He lost his job. They're the number one seed in the East. LeBron's the coach anyways. David Blatt in the playoffs last year against the Bulls. David Blatt tried to call a timeout late in a tie game with seconds left. They didn't have any timeouts left. Tyron Lue, who's now the head coach, I guess, officially, unofficially, LeBron James is the head coach. But, I mean, 
Tyron Lue to grab him, throw him in his seat, and say, we don't have any timeouts left. You call that timeout, or if they see you trying to call this timeout, they're going to give the ball back to the Bulls. Game over. We lose. They might not even advance to the finals. Right? So, I mean, you look at that just alone, and you say, that's stupid. David Blatt. Eh, maybe not the smartest coach in the league. He's got to know the situation. I'm sorry. you got to know this. No excuse there. And then, the same game, seconds later, moments later, 1.5 seconds left in the clock. You have LeBron James, you draw up a play in which you have LeBron James inbounding the ball? Come on. LeBron James had to change the play, and people got mad at LeBron because he was telling us about it. What do you... What? Why do you think he's telling us about it? Because he wants you to know when they get rid of this guy how big of a buffoon he was trying to draw up call timeouts when they don't have any left in crucial spots in the playoffs when you need to know the situation as a head coach, okay? You need to know how many timeouts you have as a head coach in professional sports at any moment in time, especially with seconds left in a close playoff game. No excuses there. And then you draw up a play in which with 1.5 seconds left, you have LeBron inbound in the ball? 1.5. There's not like seven seconds, so you inbound it, and LeBron can get open, you dish it to him, set a screen, and he gets an open look. Different story. 1.5 seconds left. That told me all I needed to know about David Blatt. He's kind of a buffoon, okay? Yeah. And people keep pointing out, well, they were the, they were the one seed in the East. Not because of David Blatt. If, it, if David Blatt had his way... They would have lost to the Bulls in the playoffs last year. Let's smarten up here, people. I know we don't like LeBron. I know that it, it, it comes off the wrong way, and he says a lot of stupid things, and he's such a prima donna that we hate it. I, I'm with you. But when it comes to logic, logic is the Cavaliers are title contenders last year and will be again this year because of LeBron James. All right? Not because of David Blatt. And based on some of the decisions I saw David Blatt try to make in the playoffs last year when the game and the season was on the line, I'm not surprised at all. And in fact, if I'm a Cavalier fan, I'm saying to myself, this is long overdue. You don't need David. If David Blatt, if they're not feeling what he's doing down there, if he's making some of the same terrible decisions and they say, let's do this now, Instead of waiting until uh, March or April, we're about to get in the playoffs, and we've really been fed up with this guy and what he's trying to do. Make the move now. I don't care what your record is. Don't give me the record when you're talking about you shouldn't fire David Blatt. Don't give me it. I don't need to hear it. Because they don't have that record because of David Blatt. All right? They don't. They have that record because of LeBron James. Is it unfair? I told you when it came to the Patriots offensive line coach and firing any coach in any sport. Of course it's unfair. Coaches get, coaches, managers, too much credit, too much of the blame. That's what they get. They get too much credit, and they get too much of the blame. For some issues that Cleveland had, did, did David Blatt get too much of the, of the blame? Probably. Probably. But you got to think of it I, I st- logically. Where if the players aren't gelling with the coach, if there's an issue based on some bad decisions that we've already seen the guy try to make, well... It's a player's league, and there's no other league that's about the players more than the NBA. The NBA is a player's league. The players get what they want more than any other league. More than any league, the players get what they want. And uh, LeBron got what he wanted. And for people upset with that, eh, I'm not getting too worked up about it. I've seen David Blatt try to do some pretty stupid stuff out there. I, I don't know that I'd want him as my coach either. Right? Of course, he's going to get sympathy around the league from certain people, people who are friends with him. I mean, I'm not friends with David Blatt. I don't need to sit there and have sympathy for the guy. From afar, I saw him make some terrible decisions, and I would not want that guy making those decisions for my team. I'm serious. I'm serious. So I actually think the the Cavaliers and LeBron, they might be right with this one. They might have got this one right. And And if they go on now to get out of the East and even win a championship, you know, is LeBron going to get coach of the year? Is he going to get GM of the year? I mean, he's not going to officially, but when I give out my awards, I think he just may. I think I may just give it to him. <laughs> I might. But 
So the Cavaliers, because of all that, they're making moves. People teasing, well, will they trade Kevin Love? No, they're not going to trade Kevin Love. I've knocked Kevin Love a lot because I don't like his personality. And to be honest, I don't really know that he, he gels with that Cleveland team and the other players on that team. But I think the players on that team know still that it's about the players and it's about the production. And I think someone like LeBron knows that it's more important to have Love than David Blatt when, it, when you get to the finals. So... Uh, I don't think the Cavaliers are going to trade Kevin Love. The other big NBA storyline, Blake Griffin broke his right hand f- with a fight. He was in a fight with a team equipment manager in a restaurant. I guess Blake Griffin hit him, and then they went outside to settle it, and I guess Blake Griffin hit him again. I'd love to see the video footage of this and what type of punch it was. Blake Griffin breaks his hand. Blake Griffin is a clown. Uh, you're going to get into a fight with an equipment manager right now in your season when if the playoffs began today, you're the fourth seed in the West and you'll be playing Memphis. You're going to get in a fight with your equipment manager. I'd like to know what this was over. Was this over a restaurant bill? What was this over? I mean, come on now. You're, a, you're supposed to be a star player on that team. I mean, look, something's got to give here. It's, you can't, you're going to be fighting equipment managers? Come on. Grow up. Grow up. If this, guy, if this happened on my team, if he was on the Celtics and you needed him, and he breaks his hand in a fight with an equipment manager in a restaurant, I would be flipping out on Blake Griffin so much it wouldn't even be funny. We would have opened with it, obviously. But it, I mean, just, please. Can't let that happen. You cannot do that. You're supposed to be a leader on your team. You're a team that's going to playoffs. You're the fourth seed in the West. You're going to be fighting equipment managers. Walk away. Go, go, go to eat somewhere else. You know, have someone else step in, figure it out. Have the team, have the, because the organization would fire the equipment manager before they got rid of you. Would they not? Of course they would. Instead, you fight him, you break your hand. Big tough guy, Blake Griffin. Man. And it could cost the Clippers. We'll see. They're 28-16 and 16 on the season. Uh, again, nine games last night. Eight games tonight. Uh, last night, the Cavaliers, they beat the Timberwolves in Cleveland. Celtics, I mentioned, beat the Wizards 116-91. The Heat going to Chicago beat the Bulls. The Heat without Whiteside, but the Bulls, Derrick Rose left this game, only had four points. Another injury for Derrick Rose. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Grizzlies beat the Magic in overtime in Memphis. The Rockets go into New Orleans, beat the Pelicans by one point. The Hawks go into Denver, beat the Nuggets 119-105. The Pistons go into Utah and beat the Jazz. Good night for road teams. The Hornets, they go into Sacramento. They beat the Kings in double overtime. How about DeMarcus Cousins? <laughs> I, I like to read off DeMarcus Cousins' stat lines and his numbers each show. 56 points last night and 12 rebounds for DeMarcus Cousins. That's right, 56 points. Now, it was in double overtime, but if you're DeMarcus Cousins, 56 points and you lose, I mean, kind of helpless feeling, right? If you're DeMarcus Cousins, what do I need to do, boys? 56 points I had in this game. Could somebody else do something for us? Sacramento loses at home to the Hornets. In double overtime, even with DeMarcus Cousins scoring 56 points. And the Golden State Warriors, it was the game of the night. The Warriors remain undefeated at home. Uh, they are now 41-4 and on the season. The Warriors beat the Spurs in Golden State, 120-90. to The Spurs did not play. Tim Duncan gets a night off. Steph Curry, 37 points in this one. So that was your night. In the NBA, I watched some of the NBA and NHL stuff last night. I also watched Monday Night Raw, and I'll close out the show with this. The Rock returned, kind of. He's saying he's going to be there for WrestleMania. He's not going to be in a match, I don't think. At least we haven't learned of that yet. At least if he is, he won't be in the main event. They announced the main event, kind of, last night. Triple H, the champ, won it at the Royal Rumble. I reacted to that yesterday. He was out there last night. To begin the show with the belt in the suit and the middle of the ring with Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon and uh, Triple H. Basically, they announced that there would be 
a main event at Fastlane, which is the February pay-per-view, and the winner of that main event would face Triple H in the main event at WrestleMania for the championship, and that main event at Fastlane will be Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar, a three-way main event, and uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say that Lesnar wins it, and I'm going to say somehow Reigns... The Reigns-Ambrose thing blows up in their face, and it's Reigns versus Ambrose at WrestleMania, I think. And perhaps Roman Reigns all of a sudden becomes Intercontinental Champ. And and then maybe eventually becomes both the Intercontinental and the WWE and holds both belts. I don't know. Maybe that's how they get Roman Reigns over. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to say Lesnar-Triple H at WrestleMania. I'll go with that. And we also saw more AJ Styles last night on Raw. He fought Chris Jericho, and afterwards, AJ Styles won. Afterwards, they shook hands, and Chris Jericho kind of pulled them in. They, they have some, they got a feud going there with that. So uh, they'll, they'll probably keep that going through WrestleMania. Jericho is on SportsCenter tonight on ESPN. So that's, my theory the last year and a half has been that they're in cahoots, ESPN, WWE, and even UFC. And they should. I mean, they should use each other's promotion. But every Tuesday night, they get someone from WWE on SportsCenter. And uh, tonight, it'll be Chris Jericho. So I'll try to pay attention to that and uh, watch some hockey, some NBA tonight. And uh, we got some golf this weekend coming up, too. We have the Farmers Insurance Open this weekend. The defending champ, Jason Day. It's at Torrey Pines. And uh, what do we get? This past weekend, we had golf. Nobody, nobody really paying attention with the conference championship games, but Jason Duffner won, what was it, the Career Builders Championship or something? I don't know, but we'll get uh, some serious golf this weekend in the Farmers Insurance Open. So, warm day out here in New England, 50 degrees, the snow is melting. I can't say it's going to stay this warm the rest of the winter. I would love for it to stay this warm, but it probably won't. But uh, when you get some golf on TV in the winter, it it helps speed up the process of the winter season, getting you to the springtime where eventually you roll in to the Masters tournament. So uh, we get closer to that. We'll keep an eye on the golf scene and anything else that happens in the world of sports and entertainment. I'll react to it right here on the Danny Picard Show here five days a week. You can get the show whenever you want. Subscribe and listen at dannypicard.com. Also available on iTunes. And if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad, I recommend the Stitcher app. It is free, and you can subscribe and get every show there. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.